Quatamok, it is so awesome to see you, to be connecting with you here and to connect everyone with you again, because you are someone who's a perennial in my life always. And, and it's wonderful to have you back in a perennial on my show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. It's so cool because we were friends first before we did anything business. So it's always cold when we have these talks because half of it is like so candid. You can, you bring out such a natural feel of information, but also we're also doing work. So it feels like we achieve something new each time, you know? Mm. So it's, thank you for having me. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's wild. When I think about like the work that I do, I don't think about it as like the work that I like did in my life where I worked for other people. When it's this, these, these passion projects, these, these, I mean, I don't even think of them as like projects. I mean, it's just these, it's this mission that we're on, right? And it's like, we do this work because we're on this regenerative mission. We're on this re-inoculate the world with the proper biology mission. And it's invigorating just like, like EM, you know, invigorates the IMOs. It's, it's that same kind of, we're catalysts and we're on a mission to, to help people live better lives. And so for me, that's like, it's like, you know, when, 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 when we get those amino acids, instead of us like digesting nitrogen, we get like that energy, right? For me, it's like pre-digested energy. So all the work makes me able to do more work. Yeah, definitely. And I was thinking like this morning, like I'm thinking about you and how we even met, you know, and it's really like when we met 10 plus years ago, you know, I was working at a cannabis farm. It was the boss of the cannabis farm, Shaban, who introduced me to you. You know, I was coming for, I was growing herb medically, but also working with schools. Mm. And she knew you were working with schools. So to do this way back then, and then to see now how the cannabis uh, movement is so involved with regenerative movement. And then you have guys like Chandler who was involved with both, plus now teaching kids. You can see where it gets so exciting because it's like, dude, this is everything that we've been aiming for from day one and being able to cross disciplines and looking past, all right, I grew herb, you worked with kids, but we knew regenerative soil was the heartbeat of the movement. And dude, here we are today doing all these great things that um, I, remember I had that. no idea was gonna evolve into this. Yeah, long time. Let, let's talk about that for a second. Cause I was, I think that was like my first time having a booth at the Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Festival, which, for us was our Mecca, you know what I mean? Like that's where you go to get inspired. You're like, oh wait, there's this many watermelon colors. It's a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Dude, that was, that was a big show. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I just was humbled to be there. And then, and then what was your perspective? You, you were already friends with Siobhan at that point and had heard of me. Yeah. So, you know, here I am growing herb. I had just left the kid's garden where we were getting a lot of pressure because I was involved in cannabis, but teaching kids and doing this in Napa, you know, the parents are on a witch hunt about your background in cannabis and how that can affect the kids. But here you were, and you were, didn't care about that. And you were like, Hey, can you help me teach this program? And even like my cannabis community didn't even know what level of education I was in with regenerative farming and youth that that event right there allowed me to show you what I've been doing, which is super important because you were just coming in with the permaculture and school stuff, 
which, you know, we had never had that going. And first you wanted that physical building, right? And when that thing crashed and failed, the new venture, which is what made everything that you have now going, took, you know, evolved. But I was able to kind of like work with both the education side with the kids, which is so close to my heart. And then with the medical cannabis community with the sick and dying people. And to me, there was no separation because in regenerative farming, caring for plants or land or people, whether old or young, it's like all the same. But when we did it years ago, it wasn't, people were mad about the whole combination of things. And I still feel today people get upset about cannabis education, kids and the whole deal. But man, we grab it with both hands, Matt, and we just kept running since. And I've got it in the other room, out. but, but we got to explain to people because you just like took two, the two years and, and like, and like, lined <laughs> them up. but we got to like delineate because when you, well, I was in a booth and you walked up and, and you just, you just embraced me like with, with your energy and you you spoke to me like a best friend and I felt, I felt that. And then you gave me, you gave me the, the hematite, um, mukti balls, the stones. Right. Right. I, and I have them in the other room. Mm-hmm. I, I yes. have them in this desk, but they're in the other room right now. And yeah, brother. And I didn't know you, but I, and I was like, That's you know, my, it was my first, it was my first time <laughs> having a booth. I'm like, are we going to make sales? I don't know. You know, and like, mm-hmm. and it was like, I was mm-hmm. fresh. I was like a newbie, you know, baby Matt. And, and you just gave me like this boost of confidence and energy. And I was like, I belong here. Did you see what that man said? <laughs> <laughs> no, cause Matt, there's not a lot of us, you know, and especially back then. So when I see the light, that's, doing the parallel work and i still do this with people and maybe they'll understand like this isn't you i've been doing it from day one but when i see those gems who are grabbing onto something i treat them like i've known them lifetime two lifetimes i don't know how many lifetimes but it's just like you can tell that we have the similar relationship and energy that is just going to encourage the growth of things and you've been in this long enough to know that if you don't surround yourself around people who encourage you to move in that space, you can get stuck. So you have to, when you find people who are really doing the works, you need to treat them like family because they really are family. And that gets the ball rolling, you know? And um, that's why like now we have the young people you're bringing on today and your past shows who are doing all the works same thing, man. As soon as I meet them, it's just like, boom, because they don't realize how much that charges me up to do my kind of work. And then vice versa, apparently it charges you up to do your work too. So these are the kind of um, energy exchanges we need to move regenerative forward. Absolutely. And, and, and the wild thing was, let me like keep, keep throwing people in on what you already said. The second year I was there, I became part of the organization. Like I became part of the actual organization implementation. I was in charge of the kids hall and the kids days. And so I had designed this whole educational experience and and fun experience and outside and physical and art. 
And it kind of was, I mean, like that was a, that was a, that was a lot of fun. It was a camp essentially that we had built and, and Quatamuk and his family acted out with the kids, like how microbes work, how the soil works. <laughs> and they're physically doing this. They're physically acting at the parts and kids are holding hands and swinging like in circles. And then they're combining. <laughs> it was I was so I'm an educator, you know, and, 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 and one of the number one things you figure out when you're a, a, a teacher and it goes all the way in, right. And you can't take it out is you watch the people who are natural teachers because they always do something and pull from something that is a space that, you know, we all just learn from. Cause I'm, I'm, I have like lineage of teacher, but I also like, I had to learn a lot. I had to unlearn so much to be a good teacher. I had to actually like remove myself, you know, from the situation to be a good teacher. But you, and like, then I was able to more accurately throw myself in later on, but you brought everything. You're immersed, you're in with the kids doing it. And it's physical, physical <laughs> education I'd never actually seen. I'd only, and to this day, you are the, and mm, there's one historical person who got like fourth and fifth graders to do Shakespeare because he was having them like do Shakespeare and do all these physical things at the same time and connected it in their brains. But that's like in a textbook. Like you are the only person I know that was, that has been able to tie higher function education and with kinesthetic learning. And it was the most amazing thing. And I think we should do it again. Um, I'm mean, <laughs> closer to that. But I've actually been talking to Jer about doing an heirloom expo in Austin, Texas, um, because the, the reality is, is um, so many uh, of the people that were in California are here. Um, and also the, the, the real desire for regenerative farming is keen here and for heirloom vegetables and it's so strong here and uh it's wild i imagine this is like what california was like in in the 90s when organic began um so so a lot of people are moving here and they're they're absolutely excited about the atmosphere an open excitement um about about what we're all talking about what we've been spreading the word about so so maybe I can get somehow get you to come out here. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be flying around uh, in August, and I'll be seeing you in August, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'll be in Seattle to see you guys up there. But yeah, getting those games out there because you saw like um how connect how connected it made us to the microbes, and how everyone can be involved. These are the kind of things where we put our education out there. But we, we need to add more components for the teachers who already have programming where they could just incorporate one of these games or two into their programming. And um, the exercise, you get mileage out of it. They go home and tell mom and dad, they tell grandma what's going on at school. And then they want to continue to promote the garden programs when the kids are this excited. But those games and things are good. You know, we're going to lose them if we don't continue to share them. Yeah, and I think that there's been a continuous removal of play from education and this endless pursuit of, of, of test numbers and, 
and kids need to be kids. And I think I personally think that when we're having fun and when uh, that, like we talked about the beginning, when, when work is like this energy, you get, it's fun. You love it. That changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so let, let, let's talk about that. What, what, what projects are you working on right now in the past year? Like, with the soil that like have been, have been like really driving your passion. I know that Topaz farm, you're wearing the hat. You want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah. Good stuff over at Topaz. But since we're talking about kids at Topaz, they have a education um, nonprofit on, on site. They're called the Savi Island center. And I was working with them for about a year and they would reach um, school kids. They would reach the capstone students. Um, and we were able to teach them a lot about regenerative farming, but what made it great is because the farm is using all these practices, not only talking about it on small scale, you can then go see it on the 130 acre farm over at Topaz. And you can see all of these practices coming online because Topaz wasn't an organic farm or permaculture farm when they, when they started. And to see that transition happening at a large scale, it really gives people a lot of confidence that they can do it on a small scale. And because Topaz Farm has really um, embraced probiotic farming, natural farming, that's given me like free, free realm to do these um, additions to their systems that I've never done anywhere else, Matt. Tell you me. know, so down at the centrifugal pump where we get all of our water, it comes from a dirty canal. The canal every year naturally is going to fill with algae because the runoff from cows and it's an island full of agriculture. You get these really thick blooms. They allowed me to put five gallons of active EM every day into the back slough. Okay. Nobody's asking agencies permission. They're just like, if you think it'll help Mr. V go ahead and do it. So we did this. And what we noticed was after within six weeks time, the algae would not surround our pumps anymore. And when you have algae, in the intake of your pumps, you clog them up. But or the manager started noticing, the owner of the farm, Kat Topaz, and, and Jim started noticing that the algae was staying back from the pumps, meaning the EM was competing for the nitrogen and causing the algae not to bloom. We kept adding it in, Matt, and kept dropping it and dropping it in. Over time, the algae receded so far back, we couldn't see it from our position in the canal. And we wanted to see how far up the canal it was getting clean. Mind you, we're still dumping our five gallons per day. The pumps are running nice and clean. Not to mention now that water is probiotic being pumped out into my field where I'm irrigating. So I'm really getting pumped up, right? Because I know there's like good water every time I see the cannons on. But as we're going up the canal and we're surveying, one of the other property owners noticed us on their property and asked what we're doing, obviously, while we're, while we're on their land. And Kat Topaz, the owner of the farm, mentioned to her how we have been adding this kombucha tea to the water and it's been making it clean in our area. And we wanted to see how far up it was clear. And she stopped us right there and says, I'm going to stop you right there. My brother was just here a week ago. And he asked me why the algae isn't grown all the way through here like it normally does. Since 82, they used to swim in this creek, but since 82, it's been nothing but algae covered every time during the summer. But this year, as her family came to the property, they noticed, where the hell is it? Where's the bloom? So when she heard about us putting the kombucha tea, she says, yeah, come put a barrel right here at my house too. We want to continue to promote the advancing of the cleaning of the creek. So 
we didn't put the barrel there, but we contacted the Department of Water who manages that canal. And we told them what we were doing because now a small island, everyone's talking about the clean water because it hasn't been clean since 82. Everyone's going to talk about it. So we told the agency what we've been doing. And the agency wanted to partake with us. And they said that to be sure that it wasn't the fresh water coming into the Gilbert, that they're going to cut off the pump. So we can, can, they have water, sometimes fresh water that comes in. They wanted to make sure that that wasn't what was making it clear. And they cut that off and we continued doing the microbe where we had good success for the rest of the year at keeping the algae blooms away. So I'm trying to grow vegetables, right? And look what happened on the environmental side. We're able to show that the probiotics were able to deal with the water because that's really things that is with that water. So stuff like that has been amazing. And then we wanted to make sure we had EM in the cannons all the time. So they added in right at the centrifugal pump mat, an injector I could turn off and on that taps right into my barrels where I have my ferments and I can inject right into the cannons all the time. So the whole field all the time is getting applied with beneficial microbes and fungi and very easily done where we would have to send cruise tractors using fuel to make these kinds of drops right now i can do it at the cannon during normal watering sessions i can now begin to see the real reality of how we can get the big guys online to begin to go probiotic how we can get the big guys online to change from the chemical drops that they're doing to these organic drops because it's going to save them a ton of fuel right now and that's really what they care is the bottom line so watching this injector come in at the cannon now at topaz farm they have it's it reminds me of like a professional football team because you have guys that are professional at soil you have guys that are professional at actor you have guys that are professional at engineering and building things right that can then make these type of installations where it allows the dreams to really be like hey peter topaz can you make such and such um, unit to, to fit such and such deal? And these guys know how to do it, right? Now, this is what I love about going large scale. We have done, the, um, you know, backyard cannabis farms. We've done um, permaculture things. But now as we move into conventional agriculture and trying to find ways for them to come online with existing equipment, right? we can really hone in cost-effective methods so that they can say, hey, come see what you can do. Now, mind you, everyone else who's growing around us on the island, they talk. And when they had the worst pumpkin season last year, but Topaz had the best, they begin to ask, why were your pumpkins so good? Why did the pumpkins look like that? Our stems are breaking all the time, but your, your stems are twice as strong. They don't break. They won't, the market won't take them if your stems break. This now we have strawberry season. Matt, let me tell you, man, we sprayed them strawberries from fall, winter probiotic, right? They just fruited now. Some of these are going to be removed. These are some of the best terpene rich strawberries. I grew them like I grow herb. So these things are so full of flavor, but the island is suffering a kind of a bad strawberry season while we're over here doing the touchdown dance because our strawberries have never been more terpene rich. So Ooh. these are the kind of things where working with bigger farms, learning how they can then integrate very cheaply things that then can help them make the transition means that that canal, the Columbia and the Willamette may have a chance of survival because we're not putting these toxic inputs um, 
as readily on this island as before. So that's been just an amazing thing to have that kind of a playground at large scale to say, yeah, Mr. V, let, let's see if it'll work. And they support you 100%. And man, things have been banging. Crops have never been looked better. You know, their crop loss they had before probiotics was twice as much as we we're I think we lost maybe five squash plants all year so far. So that's like unheard of on a 30 acre farm, you know, and just, I know, I know. So KNF inputs, we are using as pest management, you know, things now. And then just the, the, the growth acceleration when you can see it with squash and tomato and all these other crops really lets people know, like, it really is about soil health. It, it really is about taking care of the soil. And then that soil will then relate to the plant and care for the plant. And it's just been so consistent like that. Wow. That is amazing. A anything else that, 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 that you're able to do in this site that's unique? <laughs> um, no, nah, I mean, that's pretty much whatever I want can dream of. They're letting me, you know, so, um, yeah, that's so, all, like all the sprayers that used to have chemical sprays are now compost tea sprays. So we're just lucky to have that freedom. So typically when you, when you are brought on board from my memory and my understanding, you start taking all, and this is usually the case, like with like some of the cannabis uh, folk that you've helped, um, they're just getting rid of all their, their organic matter at the end, they're dumping their soil and, and, and people also, you know, cultivate in similar kind of burn and just keep going ways, but you close up the loops in their waste stream. <laughs> And you start reconnecting the information feedback loop of the biology from the EM into the plant and then into the plant waste, into the Bokashi, and then back into the, 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 the soil medium. Isn't that correct? 100%. And also the biomass for, for biochar production. Right. You know, and I guess I, it's funny because these are the things I just call normal, but I, don't, I just don't even think of them as like something special. But yeah, Topaz is saving all of their woody biomass, right? And then you have Cat Topaz posting on the island page, like, drop off all your biomass to our farm. So now we're collecting biomass from all the neighbors. And we just have huge piles of biomass that we're using the Ring of Fire kiln by Kelsey Wilson to convert not only our own biomass, but like all the neighbors too. Christmas trees, we had the Christmas tree drop off during the winter, but we're converting like tons of woody material with the ring of fire and putting all the char back in the field. But one of my favorite things is we have a ton of cannabis farms on the island and um, Dogface Farm, he's famous for drinking this cranberry juice on a skateboard. Everyone loves this guy, but they've donated us their, uh, their hemp's, their cannabis stocks too where we just create a ton of char. And if you know the quality of char that you get from hemp and cannabis, it's like 200% more conductive than other biomass. That's why like when you buy the Topaz greens, you are gonna see the difference in the color, the shelf life. That's because of the char, you know, the char that we have going on is so super conductive that it just allows for all of these antioxidant components to be within the plant. And I'm even guessing the endophytes within the plants themselves, all right, are holding in the shelf, the shelf life of the lettuce is just even amazing the guys on the market, because they're used to having a rotation of the market goods, you know, all the time. But then when your shelf life is twice as long, 
they really appreciate what's going on in the field and that's where they become the believers. So all this regenerative food is available for purchase too, right there at the farm. For people locally? Yeah, and in the Portland area. That's mm -hmm. amazing. The market's open uh, six days a week. So you always can come in and, and visit. Do you guys have tours that folks can stop by? Best thing is this whole island is like a, it's agrotourism at. So people come here, they, you, you encourage people to stay at the farm. They serve food, drinks. They can just wander around places for kids to be. But since all the farms participate so nice. in this, it makes it really cool that you can visit everyone's farm and visit and get all the good ideas from everyone. You know, that, that is something that the folks that if they don't know, I value so deeply. Like, and if they don't know what it is, like agritourism, it's not like normal tourism. It's like, like, you know, when people dream of going to like Italy and like eating their way through Italy and stuff, like we have that. <laughs> the whole like West Coast <laughs> yes. has that and other places are developing it uh, too. You know, places that I'm not familiar with, I'm sure already have it too. But, but, but it's, it's delightful. It's like, it's romantic. It's. It's also something that you can do with the whole family. It's, you know what I mean? And it, it, it's an easy first date too. You know what I mean? You go full range, but like, it's, it's, some, it's something else entirely. So I, I really think that folks need to, it's wholesome. You know what I mean? It's something you go and do and you just, you're outside, you're eating the best food. You're, you're on an island, you know, in one of the most beautiful places in America. And then on the educator side, Matt, think about it when people are coming to a farm with that mentality already, like, hey, I want to engage. Hey, I want to pick this. Hey, I want to. It's much easier to drop the stuff we're talking about on them when their minds are geared for that. And everyone else, you know, this is what everyone comes here to do is to engage with these type of things. It's different than when you're just visiting a farm, stumbling upon a guy talking all this stuff like I'm doing now, right? You're probably, what the <laughs> hell is this guy saying? <laughs> but when you come there because you actually want to know more about soil, your strawberries, or how your lettuce is grown, this is where it's easier for us to shoot our ramble because this is what they want to hear. Yeah. So we can, the, entry, the doors open much more for the, everyone when they come to the island to hear this. So it was so cool to talk to Jed House Gardens, to Chandler, and to have him talk about you and to talk about how he's talking to you, how he wants to bring you in for the for the compost cup next year, maybe possibly both of us in. Um, and it just it, the excitement, um, it, it was really awesome. Um, I, it made me want to ask you a question that, you know, I've been, I've been talking about here and there and, 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 and folks want, want to hear your opinion on this, your reaction, really. We found in all like the best composts, all the primary members of EM. So because of facultative, <laughs> they're, they're already in there. And they're primary, right? So they're already in there. And because like, just like the, the little picture shows, it goes into the body. So it goes in, it's the whole feedback loop between the soil decomposition, the plant roots, the plant body, the leaves, and then us eating all those things and it going into our digestion and continuing. 
and this is an information feedback loop um, is what I've come to realize. And it's in the best compost. It's And this is like the essence of best compost, in other words. So what do you, what do you think about that? Like after me DNA sequencing over and over and over again and finding that everywhere, you know, in the best compost only though. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't surprise me, right? Yeah. I would always picture them being gobbled up though by IMO, but it doesn't surprise me that they'll hang out as long as they need to until they need to sacrifice themselves for the next stage of regeneration. And I think that's what that's what excites me about the journey with microbes, Matt, is never in your life, no matter how long you work with these things, have I ever felt that, dude, I got it. I know what they're doing, right? It's always been us telling each other like, oh my God, look what I found. Oh my God, look what this is happening now. But it's never been like, hey, Matt, I think I know why they're doing this particular thing. It's always been like, we're sharing something we discover. Yeah. So they're revealing to us more and more. Um, when you're working with something so complex as microorganisms, I imagine this will take lifetimes, especially since our disconnect with them has been so, so great. But it will take lifetimes to even understand their behavior. But really what they're trying to teach us is how to behave, I think is the main essence. So if we study them and we're trying to figure out their direction, you're probably not ever going to get there, but to understand that their intention and their um, obligation to show things how to live on earth is really the lessons that we're looking at. How to work in diversity, how to surrender when we need to surrender, how to sacrifice ourselves when we need to, to you know, give up for the next generation of regeneration. These are the things that just amaze me about the microbe. And really like my own personal journey, I always feel like when we get there, Matt, and we're sharing something about them, that that just is like always something parallel that is useful for just um, something in my day-to-day -day life. Hmm. So many times I feel the mirror, the, mirror, the mirror is the microbe. You know, the microscope is the view on how to live. And it's the more we look at them and watch them, the more we figure out about ourselves, more importantly. Do you know um, of this doctor, the urine doctor that studied healthy people and found that there's something in people's urine that who are healthy that don't have cancer have and people who have cancer don't. Have you heard about this guy? It's like not Ogilvy. No, Matt. Something with an O. No, no. <laughs> Texas doctor. Um, Tess from Fungi Freights has the same exact last name. I just can't remember it right now for some reason. I remember Tess. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, there's this doctor that, that figured out that the like health revolved around this compound and, and we just expressed it right when we were healthy. And so he took that out of their urine and gave it to the, to the sick people and was curing people. And so. Hmm. He's like one of the alternative cancer doctors. And so this, I mean, EM very might well be like the, the hallmarks of health in, in digestion, in decomposition and in, 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 in like, in biological, uh, in biological health in plants. 
And so they may manifest at times when they're needed. And what I'm, I'm, I have seen wild things and, and behind the scenes, all the test people were talking about very, we're talking about things that we're seeing, we're finding that we want to like share all together. That's why the database is going to be so useful because some of the things they challenge current paradigms of the way things work. Horizontal gene transfer is way more powerful than we realized. They just established it's more powerful than evolution. And so I, I just think that EM might be a, a hallmarks of, of health or they might be our immunological response and they might horizontally like gene transfer express when the time calls them forth. I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then ooh, as you say that, it kind of, I mean, we know about the endophytes going in and out of plants and how benefit yeah. is to that. Why wouldn't humans have that as well? You know, and when you think of like, um, you told me the cell and, the, you and know I what did mean? it. And then when he, when I think of the cell um, electron chain transfer, how important is the last loop back into the cell? You know what I mean? That last step go, when you look at the cell as the energy transfers in and out from, from the mito and back out. It's that last bit that comes back in that I think is, there's something about that key. It's not just waste materials, you know? So there's something about things coming back out of the system and coming back into the system. And each time it makes that loop, it strengthens the host 100%. And we're learning about nature's patterns and how, like I'm telling you, if you look at the cell energy of the cell and how important that is, it must relate all the way up the, ma the macro scale as to why we need that loop to come through, not just with the endophytes and plants, but with humans as well. And this is what's cool because when you think of Terra Preta pits too, back in the Amazon, those pits would have had components from probably human waste too, right? And those loopback systems would have then told the plants in the gene transition, my humans are going to need more of this, their minerals are down. And then the plants then gear and transfer themselves according to the humans that are taking care of them. So and, and people also, for years when I did this, man, you know, for also, years that when I did EM for for talks, they would talk about humanures and things like that. And I hated to talk. I didn't even know anything about it. But then later in life, when I think about the Terra Preta kits and how important the feedback system is, I then can see why people 10, 15 years ago were so interested in how to treat their compost toilets with EM and, and biochar, because there was something about the loop system back from waste materials from the consumers of the produce that has to be triggered back into the plants for longevity of health. Hi, baby girl. And I realized, hey, I got a visitor. And I realized right when you said that, that it also helps us digest what's in excess. So that whatever's in excess in yes, our, di our digestion, like whether it's mineral or, or otherwise, in order to digest that manure, the biology would have to trigger those enzymes. And then they were like, oh no, they're really good at triggering those enzymes. And then they're endophytes. And so they're inside these plants and then we're eating them and they're continuing 
that modality inside us. hundred percent. And if you really want to get into the weird side of things, how about setting the mental health stage of the inhabitants of the consumers of the plants, you know? Um, yeah. You think about how microbes always want to keep balance. Could they have even known the different potentials of the up flares from the communities based on the waste from each individual coming out to be able to then tweak for more empathy or more understanding and the ways of the plants are, I mean, herb will do this too. When you grow herb, herb will tweak itself a certain way to keep terpenes at a level so that the communities are balanced and understanding is brought or joy can be brought depending on how the cultivation, you know, the cultivation is, is, is developing the plants, but plants are directly related to the community is my point and to the community's physical health and to the community's mental health as well. I wonder if it's expectation, just like our body, when we fall into a routine and we like get what, our, what, 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 like our body has an expectation, like that we'll go to bed at a certain time, that we'll wake up at a certain time and like a circadian rhythm. And if we kind of like mm-hmm. break that and when we can establish it to be what fits our, our lifestyle, you know, people do it all the time. But once you get that rhythm going, there's that expectation and then our bodies, they seem to thrive in our minds and our mental clarity. Mm-hmm. It's like when it's like, no, this is the when I get up, this is when I go to bed. It's like we thrive. <laughs> and maybe like that there's a microbiological equivalent to that. Like, like within the feedback loop and cycles of the soil and food, there's an expectation of nutrition or a congruency of the frequency of the actual food that has to do with the time and place that you live. I am seeing like crystallization rates on things that are different, uh, at different locations. And like, we take like the one kilogram weights that were made in the 1700s and they were exactly the same or the 1800s. And then a hundred years later, they weighed them and they were different weights. And so we, we, we've, we've come to realize that there's other things going on, like xylitol. Xylitol didn't form crystals until like, I think the 30s or 40s. And it just happened. And then all over the world, it happened. And so I think that there's, there's, there's so much more to this. Absolutely. And when I first learned about crystals, even maintaining microorganisms within inside of the crystal, and we know how microorganisms love to embed themselves in gelatinous materials and yeah. rock materials. You know, they can calcify themselves. And it, 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 I, now we know they crystallize themselves. You can see what a strange world it is. And why are they putting themselves in crystals? What's being transmitted by them doing this? What information are they contr- continuing to contribute? Or what song is they continuing to aid into those rhythms of life? We're still learning, you know, and they're still building. Well, so just like we can so read good. the patterns of the, of the, of a sunflower and like the health of, of the, of the sunflower directly correlates to how perfect that little pattern is inside of it. Mm-hmm. I would think that the same applies to that where the actual crystalline shape and the expression of the, of, of, of the, like, I mean, even in a colloidal gel form, that's actually crystalline. And so it's just like a wet crystal. Um, and they actually can be ordered colloidal crystals. And so it's like, I, I think that that's the next layer is us being able to read. 
And I think conductivity is actually a quick read. Like be, running, writing conductivity through something is one of those ways that we quickly read like how it's organized in, in terms of its crystal and structure. Mm -hmm. and, no, and, there's so much information being packed into life. Huh? It's so cool. And every time it's consumed and transferred, that information is passed, no doubt. You, it's a beautiful world. <laughs> that is. Did you by chance check out those images that I've been putting up where the 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 root looks like glass? Yeah, man. So this yeah, is I'm the reality. That. Is is the fungi all look like crystals? They form crystals because of the way their digestive enzymes work. And then plants look like they're made of crystal. So it seems like that's actually the nature of the world. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, it's all agreed. frequencies as well, too, because I've been messing with frequencies um, and, and different light frequencies. And it's just absolutely incredible um i really want to be able to and i don't know if we'll be able to do it but i really want to be able to see if we can see the far infrared in the bioceramic i know that so many people are so interested in bioceramic right now i've got like all these messages about it do you want to talk a little bit more about that yeah i mean that would be one of those great things where you could see crystals interacting with the physical with the electromagnetic world right and then that's where we begin to think like, well, what does that begin to cause? Because with the bioceramic, when they measure that thing on the Catherine meter, it seems to be throwing a polarity of both negative and positive. It just makes the thing vibrate. So when, when you have these kind of vibrations and electromagnetic attractions, when I start to think about electromagnetically, it's what influence atmospherically then begin to happen that then attract or repel life or energy away from the environment because when i think of like the electron loving microbes we know they're in the forest we know that they can all bond together and create energies that then attract lightning strikes lightning strikes are not random in the forest these things are induced by electron loving microbes where they decide to find a place for whatever reason that they want to carbonize or as we're saying crystallize right the information in that area for a reason so what we used to think is like just random shit was just like dude these little jedi microbes are causing of the electron force to zap down so when i think of bioceramics and what's being played out when we lay this stuff upon the earth right it's like man i'm not expecting a lightning strike but what other life form is coming um, one thing that recently happened was at Topaz, we had a bug that was eating our squash. I mentioned we lost some of the, some of the plants and I'm hitting them with my microbes. I'm hitting them with my bioceramic and they were, it made them actually reproduce faster. They thought they were dying. They went on an orgy and they were just having their way with each other. So I'm thinking like, man, I'm not going to get a, get a handle on these pests. But what happened after about three days, it called in a natural predator that eats their ass. So it wasn't the microbes that got them. Something had called in the predator that then came and munched on them. Now, when I think about this, like with salmon, when we do conservation work in Portland, 
we try to bring the salmon back into the river. And if there's not a microbe in the streams, the salmon won't come back in. The microbes important because they're little eggs. That's like the first thing they're going to eat when they hatch. And they can sense this in their nose and on their lateral lines and a magnetite receptor on the end of their nose. They can tell if the microbes are in the water. So, but what blows my mind is the microbe is also found on rice. If you culture rice and rice, it's in the rice patties, this particular microbe, you can attract more salmon to come up the river. So when I look at like how the, mi the microbe can attract the macro and, and the fish and then on the insect world for damaging, you can begin to see like what vibrations are being had upon the earth for this thing to take off. Hi, baby girl. Nice. She's got Topaz ice cream. She's all pumped up. Okay, wait for me inside and I'll play with you as soon as I'm done. Okay. What okay. You, That's Matt Powers right here. I'm having an interview with him. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so those are the kind of things, Matt, I'm, I'm wondering, like, when we use the microbes in an environment, when we increase it even louder with the bioceramics, does that call in the regenerative components, partners, and players to then kickstart the thing even more? You know, because it is the song, it is that archaic rhythm that you talked about. It is the, the, the music that attracts life to come in and, and, and develop and play. So those components of the microbes and the bioceramic, which seems to amplify the microbes, just get me pumped. Are you using any biochar dust with microbes? 100%, especially like in establishments that already have gardens set up, Matt. Yeah. They have these zero char. Man, I could run the dust powder right into the injectors, which actually grabs a lot of the salts that they already have clogging the lines. And so I can drop in the dust stuff without actually going around and drop them into all the pots. So every time they kick that water on, I can drop in the micronized um, biochar and sending that in with the microbes, man, the, those plants lift in 24 hours because people don't realize a lot of their soil, the batteries drained. You know, and adding that char is like recharging your cell phone battery. That should, and once that soil gets charged again, then the plant gets charged. But it's all about charges in the soil, and the dust allows me to get it in quick where I can get the results I need so the client can say, wow, let, let's advance on this regenerative program. But it's the micronized dust that gets me into so many programs where I can't, I can't you know, permit me to go around and put them into each pot there's thousands of pots out there, but I can get them in in two seconds in the, in the watering system. So I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I, I feel like so many people are looking for like a large fraction size and then they like have this dust after they've made it themselves, you know, and that dust mm -hmm. is magic. Mm -hmm. It's really some of my favorite. I mean, if I could only use one, if you gave me a choice, it would be dust, man. I swear. The dust, because it's the water. It saves so much money in production. I could just drop it right in the water. Wow. And that doesn't rip up the uh, nozzles or anything? Well, it depends what kind of dust you have. You know, I have like activated carbon, like stuff you can use for human consumption. It's not like the dust from the char that we're making. This is like actually... Okay. Dust, dust stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. That's 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 a really good tip. That way, it saves people um, from messing up their systems. Or if you're just on, yeah, or if you're just on the fence and don't know if you want to use char or not, run the run the activated carbon dust, and man, 
you'll be sold next day. That's amazing. Your plants will lift. I had done, I had done a, a ferment and I had put hyperdrive in there and biochar and it broke the, it made the charge on the outside of the biochar neutral. And so the EM literally ate through the biochar. And I was like, the EM now has the black carbon in it. And then I was mm. like, okay, so percentage mm. of this is going into the plant and as an endophyte and it's like holding it like, 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 like the yeasts are going to go right into the plant. They're not going to like go right. of the carbon. They're just going to create nitric oxide and to protect themselves. That's all they're going to do. It's like, what does that do to the, I mean, I know it makes the plant that has to make the plant be able to absorb more energy, but I wonder, I mean, I don't even know how we can quantify that. Well, like I was telling you, those, those pumpkin stems that we're the only ones on the island with thick pumpkin stems. Like if you put our pumpkins next to anyone else, you can tell the difference. That's like the umbilical cord for that pumpkin. That's thing is so thick. If it's, if you don't have that stem dialed in, then that's carbon related a hundred percent. Those, those stems. But it's also probably the case that we're charging because plants, when we look at them closely, are, look like glass. So the sun's shining through them and hitting the black carbon inside that microbe. So heating up and charging with solar energy, that radiation mm. on that black carbon has got to have mm. an actual redox. Yeah, sounds so good. Energy-based reaction, right? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a happy microbe to me, Matt. That's great. Yeah, it's supercharged. And, you know, I didn't even realize, like, I mean, like people talk about how dark septate endophytes like may, you know, like light may hit the black carbon in them and all this stuff. But it's like now that now that they see that plants are like see-through, it makes sense. All right, Quatamuk. Well, you've given us so much to think about. I am so excited to see more of your work come forward and oh my phone just just stopped recording <laughs> alarm different time ah uh, well thank you so much for for coming by and sharing with us so much because I know that people heard this, got inspired, and they're going to start using EM more and start applying it where it really needs to go so that it can help heal. And like, I'm so excited about the fact that the, the, the folks managing the water are on board. Cause so often, I mean, when you told that story, I was like, is he going to say, she's like, I'm calling the cops, you know? Um, that's what I thought was going to happen. And it's just so great to hear the opposite, to hear people are excited because they're excited about what works. You know what I mean? And that's what matters. And that's, that's why you're here. You're doing such great work. You're changing the world. And we all appreciate you so much, Kodamuk. I know that there's so many people that are following your work, so many people that are inspired by you and, 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 and using your recipes. So... So thank you. Uh, I'm speaking for everybody. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, Matt. And um, I would invite you guys down in the fall. We're going to have a corn maze, Matt. You know how we have these big corn mazes. We do it every year. But this year, Matt, it's going to be inspired by, remember that book where the wild things are? Yeah. It's going to be, the characters are inspired by that, but they're going to be all microbes. And the 
yeah, the intention of the maze is to show how microbes are scary, but they're also friendly and involved in regenerative farming. So that's the kind of dedication that we have towards regenerative farming and bringing it to the community is we're going to have the first ever microbe corn maze completely dedicated to the benefits of fungi and bacteria. And uh, we'd love to see you out there. Oh, I'd love to visit. I love that. And, okay. and we need more of that. That That's going to inspire so many people. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to share it. <laughs> yeah, man, it's so big. I'm, I'm excited. Good, good. All right. Thank you All so right. much. Well, let's stay connected, brother. Keep yeah, going. Absolutely, always. The Regenerative Soil Microscopy new course and book and the R Soil database are kickstarting right now. If you are wanting to know how to use a microscope to understand, evaluate, and improve your soil, compost, biofertilizers, mycorrhizae, and more, this is the project to back. With the course and the book, you'll have the tools and understanding to participate at the highest levels. You'll learn bright field, dark field, epifluorescence, and now light field, which uses natural light like bright field, but in new ways. You'll learn how to turn one microscope into four microscopes for a fraction of the cost. You'll learn how to use stains and hemocytometers. You'll learn new methods, tried and true methods, and how to assess your results from multiple perspectives and other tests, a key that is often overlooked. Join the R Soil database. Upload your soil test results, compare them to your samples over time and to your bioregion, your climate, pH redox, organic matter percentage, CEC, DNA, bionutrient meter results, Haney test results, and too many more to list here. The next breakthroughs in soil science are going to happen here. Click the link and join us and be part of it all from the ground up. Let's make it happen. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. Thank you so much. Click the link below and join us.